Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I'm here to invite you to a fantastic week of Jack Benny shows. Um, probably the most exciting week we've had in months ever since I've been doing this podcast. Anyway, these I've listened to probably 500 Jack Benny shows out of the 700 that are out there and uh, enjoyed most all of them. Every once in a while there's ones I don't enjoy quite as much in the early years and so forth. But of all of these, there these two from this week are probably in my top five all-time episodes. To, I'll call it our lunch week because tonight's episode is uh, Jimmy Stewart and Jack Benny and Mary Livingston having lunch at the Brown Derby. And Jimmy Stewart is just spot on. It's hilarious. It's a funny, funny episode. The parts where he blows his lines are just perfectly timed uh, by accident. It's just one of those things that happens in comedy sometimes where it just works. So enjoy this episode. I know I will. I always do. Um, this is a great episode to share with friends, family. <laughs> it's a great episode. Uh, it's interesting after last week's episode. Last week was sort of like, okay, let's march out all the characters, introduce them to the audience, because we just moved to CBS. Yes, we're going to have the same show. Look, oh, yes, we have Mr. Kitzel. Oh, yes, we have um, Mel Blanc doing, oh, let's have him do the Maxwell. Okay, let's um, introduce all of us again. And it's a fine episode, and it's a funny episode, and it's well done. But there's just a lot of... Um, a lot of it feels forced. Whereas this episode is just like the writers and Jack just going, okay, let's just do it. Let's just be funny. Let's just really knock this one out of the park. And they really did. Fantastic episode. Um, also, the episode on Thursday, which is from 10 years earlier, 1939, is again an episode where they're having lunch together with some other characters that aren't normally on the show and those additional characters just um, really add there's, additional characters can always take away from a show or add to a show each character adds to the show and then you have all the regulars and they all hit it just perfect the, the writing is, is just perfect for the parts I mean you want the writing to speak through the character the humor to come from what you expect from the character. All the past baggage of the character adds to the humor, and that really happens in this episode. And then on top of it, the new characters build on that and add to it, and it's just phenomenal. Um, so please tune in to us on Thursday to hear that as well. Today's episode with Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart is, of course, to me, the greatest guest um, that any show could ever have. Uh, he's just fabulous. He's one of my, um, the joy of Jimmy Stewart in radio is just amazing because you're used to him in pictures and I love his motion pictures, but finding him in radio and all these wonderful bits that he did are just a true joy. So go out there and hunt for some more Jimmy Stewart. I'll share what I can with you folks over time, but, uh, enjoy this episode. I know I will, and we'll see you guys again. Hopefully on Thursday. We'll come back tomorrow on Monday for um, our Monday shows. Um, enjoy. 
Jello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of Jimmy Stewart Saturday. This is where we play uh, all the shows chronologically that Jimmy Stewart uh, guest starred on. And uh, we are currently, uh, we took a little break for a while because I was having enough Judy Garland and Jimmy Stewart performances in our regular shows, usually Bing Crosby on Monday nights, that I felt like it was, um, we could take a break for a while from having these on Saturday, but now things have kind of calmed down, uh, after Christmas and everything, the, uh, there's not as much Jimmy Stewart and Judy Garland appearances right now on, uh, our Bing Crosby or other shows, so I thought I would start this back up, and last week I had Judy Garland on Saturday, this week we will have Jimmy Stewart, and this is a great Jimmy Stewart episode. I was looking for, I know I have it, where I already did a podcast to it, but uh, couldn't find that. It was an old podcast. It would have been within my first few months of podcasting anyway, so um, I decided to go ahead and record another one. This is his appearance, one of his two appearances on the Jack Benny radio show. He appears on the Jack Benny television show a lot more often. Um, I want to say he had at least three or four appearances on the Jack Benny television show. He had two appearances, like I say, on the radio show. This being his first one. Uh, I think I always put this probably in my top five Jack Benny episodes of all time. Uh, It helps that I really, really like Jimmy Stewart. But this is just a really, really, really well-written um, appearance by a guest star. And they just do a spectacular job of making the, this episode funny, very appropriate for Jack. The whole thing it just uh, is amazing what they pull off here. And what's funny is Jack at some point is going to be talking about a movie and I'm not going to give anything away, but the movie he's talking about that he mentions he's a producer on, I think he mentions he's a producer, he really was involved with that movie. Um, and so it was, uh, it's Lucky Stiff, and it really does exist and everything, so it's just kind of interesting. It sounds like one of those fake things that they make up on the Jack Benny show, but it's actually real. So, uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy this fantastic episode, a little bonus Jack Benny episode, for the week, and um, if you heard it before when I played it originally, what, two or three years ago, uh, here's a chance for you to enjoy it again. Uh, hopefully, maybe I even found it in better quality this time. We shall see. I, I haven't looked at it, but uh, I know the first time I ran it, I didn't have the high-quality set of Jack Benny shows I do now, so maybe it'll have better sound, which would be really cool. Anyway, we will see you all next time. Enjoy Jimmy Stewart and Jack Benny two of my favorite performers of all time. And we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Your level best. That's just how you'll feel when you light up a Lucky. Because Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. Put you on the right level to feel and do your level best. It's important to you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. 
And every smoker knows LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, smooth, mild, thoroughly enjoyable tobacco. No wonder more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. It's good to know that fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense, by putting you on the right level to feel and do your level best. That's the lucky level, so smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Get on the lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of luckies and get started today. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, one of the most popular restaurants in the country is the Brown Derby in Hollywood. So let's go back to yesterday afternoon and look in as the Brown Derby's head waiters handle the overflow luncheon crowd. Oh, Gus, did you see Mr. Gable at his usual place? No, Chilius. Mr. Gable joined Eve Arden and her party. Well, that's good. There's so many people waiting. Well, perhaps we can set up some more tables. Hey, Chilius, look who's coming in. Jack Benny. You take care of him. Uh, no, Gus. It's your turn this time. <laughs> no, no. It's your turn. All right, all right. I'll take care of him. He changed networks. Why doesn't he change restaurants? <laughs> oh, Jack, here comes Chilius. Yeah, he'll get us a table. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Benny. Uh, hello, Chilius. I'd like a table. They have some lovely tables at Romanoff's. <laughs> I know. Uh, Romanoff sent us here. Oh. Good afternoon, Miss Livingston. I didn't see you. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Benny. You'll have to wait. Every table in the place is taken. Well, maybe we... Hey, Mary, look. Hey, look, there's Jimmy Stewart having lunch all by himself. I'll ask him if we can sit at his table. Uh, but, Jack, if he's eating by himself, maybe he prefers to be alone. Oh, don't be silly, Mary. He'll be glad to have company. Come on. Only uh, let me do the talking. Well, Hey, Mary, look who's here. Hmm? Oh, hello, Jack. Hello, Mary. Well, if it isn't Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> you know... You know, uh... You know, Jack, uh, Hollywood's a funny place. You say, well, if it isn't Jimmy Stewart and everybody in the Brown Derby applauds. <laughs> Yes, yeah. By the way, Jimmy, we're in a hurry and all the tables are taken. Would you mind if we joined you? How can he say no? You're already eating his rolls. <laughs> There's enough for both of us. Sure, sure. Come on, let's sit down here. Here, I'll make room for you, Mary. Well, thank you. There we are. Now, Jack, I'll move over soon. Oh, just sit still, Jimmy. You need to move for me. I'll squeeze right in here and then we can... Whoops! Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, Jimmy. I knocked over the pitcher and spilled the water. Oh, that's all right. With this weather, it froze before it hit the floor. <laughs> that's right. Here, Jimmy, let me hand you my napkin. And... 
I knocked over the ketchup bottle. Uh, better, uh, better wipe it off, Jimmy. You look like an ad for blood on the moon. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jimmy. You know, uh, Jack, I've been sitting here eating for 30 minutes. Uh, you've been here 10 seconds, and you've got more on me than I've got in me. <laughs> well, I... <clears throat> well, I, I guess it's because we're in such a hurry. May I take your orders, please? Yes, yes. I'll have a club sandwich and a, a cup of coffee. Yes, sir. Yours, Miss Livingston? Oh, gee, I don't know what to have. Uh, what's that you're eating, Jimmy? Oh, it looks delicious. Oh, this is something my mother always used to make for me. It's my favorite dish. What is it? Matzo ball soup. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Chilius, I'll have a Caesar salad and a pot of tea. Yes, Miss Livingston. Uh, by the way, Jimmy, I saw your latest picture. You gotta stay happy. And you and Joan Fontaine certainly make a wonderful combination. Oh, well, thank you, Mary. Uh, you made that picture for Universal, didn't you, Jimmy? Yes, yes. Before that, I made Rope for Warners, and then I made one over at MGM, one at RKO, one at 20th Century, and then one for Paramount. What's the matter? Can't you keep a steady job? <laughs> Just that Jimmy prefers to freelance. Oh, oh. Uh, by the way, Jack, uh, what have you been doing lately? <laughs> well, I've, uh, I've been rather busy with radio. Radio? Well, aren't you a little late getting into that with television and everything? <laughs> no, no, Jimmy, I've been in radio for 17 years. But I haven't made a picture since I was at Warner's. And I left there because there was always a big issue, you know, when it came to casting. Well, I can understand that, Jack. You and Errol Flynn are the same type. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Uh, Jack had the same trouble with MGM, but they decided to keep Lassie. <laughs> anyway, Jimmy, I'm not appearing in pictures because I'm producing them now. Oh, I didn't know you were producing pictures, Jack. Oh, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I just finished my first one. It's called uh, The Lucky Stiff. Starring Dorothy L'Amour, Brian Dunleavy, and Claire Trevor. Soon to be seen at your neighborhood theater. Jack, uh, what are you yelling for? <laughs> Jimmy, if these people can eat here, they can afford to go and see it, you know. You know, a plug's a plug. And then... Mr. Benny, if you'd like, you can move over to this table here. Chilius, I thought you didn't have any empty tables. We've got a lot of them now. <laughs> We'll just, we'll just stay where we are. Yes, sir. Here's your food. Who gets the salad, please? Oh, the salad is mine. Now, let's see. What were we talking about before the food came? The, the picture you produced, the lucky salad. No, no, the lucky stiff. Oh, oh. <laughs> Say, you know, Jimmy, I've just been thinking. You're a nice guy, and here you've been having a tough, not working steady at one one studio. So I'm going to do you a big favor and put you in my next picture. <laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy, what happened? Jimmy. Oh, that's the first time I ever saw anyone choke on a matzo ball. I probably surprised him with my offer. <coughs> yes, you certainly did. Uh, but, Jack, uh, uh, the only reason I can't accept it is because I have so many other commitments. 
Well, Jimmy, we can make it after you've fulfilled your other commitments. But, Jack, after that, I want to take a vacation. No buts, Jimmy, my boy. Look at I'll make a big star out of you. Now, you've got to let me make this picture with you. Now, what's the salary you usually get per picture? $200,000. Take some water. The water is on the floor. So are you. Huh? Oh, yes. Jack, you better discuss this with Jimmy some other time. It's getting late, and the whole gang will be waiting at the studio for rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'll get the check. Waiter, waiter, our check. Waiter, waiter. Jack, just call him. Don't wave your toupee. <laughs> Jimmy, this isn't a toupee. It's just a small hairpiece. Hairpiece? I'd like to have a fur coat like that. I'd like to have you read your line right. <laughs> Suppose I run along and start the rehearsal. Well... Well, see you later, Jack. Goodbye, Jimmy. So long, Mary. Say, Jimmy, have you heard the way people are talking about Mary lately? Talking about Mary? Yes, I hate to see this, uh, say this, really, but... But have you noticed... <laughs> have you noticed how she always leaves the table just before they bring the check? <laughs> It's embarrassing, you know. I hate to see it, too, you know. But anyway, Jimmy, getting back to the picture I want you to do for me. Now, I have a story. Excuse me for interrupting, but I happen to have a snapshot of you, Mr. Benny. Would you mind autographing it? Oh, I'd be happy. Say, Jimmy, would you mind lending me your fountain pen? Not at all. Here you are, Jack. Thanks. Now, let's see. With my very best wishes, Jack Benny. Here you are, lady. Uh, thank you very much. It was nice meeting you. Oh, wait a minute, lady. This is Jimmy Stewart. Don't you want his autograph? No, but 30 years ago I would have. <laughs> now, look. Look, Jimmy, I've got to run over to CBS and rehearse my show. Suppose you come along with me, and we'll discuss a deal for a picture. No, then... uh, no, Jack, I'd rather not. Here's the check, gentlemen. No, thank you, Julius. No, Jimmy, let me take it. After all, it was your table, and Mary and I barged in. So I insist on paying it. No, no, Jack, I'd feel better if I paid for it. Well, if your health is involved, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, um, i got to run along and... See, my hands are kind of sticky. Where's my napkin? Oh, here it is. Hmm. I can't pull it up. What's the matter with this napkin? You've got my shirt tail. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, here, I'm, I'm through with it. Um, <laughs> so long, Jimmy. Goodbye, Jack. I didn't realize it was so late. I hope they started the rehearsal without me.
I'm here now. I'm here now. Oh, hiya, Jack. Hey, hello, Jack. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, kids. Uh, by the way, Jack, did Jimmy Stewart agree to let you produce his next picture? Well, not yet, Mary, but I'm sure he'll come around to talk to me about it. Now, come on, kids. We've got a rehearsal to do, so let's get started. Mr. Benny, I've read over my part three times already. Well, good, Dennis. It's nice to know that you're diligent. Diligent? Are we doing a gangster sketch? That's diligent! <laughs> Well, don't I get nothing for being close? No. And Phil, look at Phil, watch your cue. Now, you come into the sketch on page 21. 21? Yes. That's all your fingers, all your toes, and one more. <laughs> now, Mary, in this sketch, you're going to play the part of Dennis's wife, and you've just gotten married. Uh, Dennis and I are newlyweds? Yes. And you're in Niagara Falls on your honeymoon. Where am I? <laughs> what? I don't know about you, kid, but I'm on page 22. <laughs> That's 21. I got 11 toes. <laughs> Phil, you miscounter. Try again. Now, Mary, as soon as we try... Jack, what was that? I don't know. Who fired that shot? I did. That reverberation you just heard was the result of a firearm that I discharged to test the acoustical quality of the studio. Acoustical quality? Who are you? I'm Herbert, your sound effects man. Oh, oh. Well, look, Herbert, don't try any more shots. All I want are the sound effects that are written into the script. Well, you can depend on me, Mr. Benny. For years, I have devoted my artistry to dramatic shows, and I have mastered the most difficult sound effects ever heard on radio. Really? Yes. Hmm. One in particular baffled every sound effects man in the industry. But by perseverance and sheer ingenuity, I managed to reproduce it. I see. It was on the prudential hour. The scene was a moonlit night, and two lovers were dancing out on the patio. Oh, yes, yes. I heard that show. As the soft music filled the balmy summer evening, the two lovers drew closer and closer until his cheek lightly brushed against hers. That was the most delicate sound effect of all. Well, I should imagine it was. How did you get the sound of his cheek delicately brushing against hers? I slapped a hot water bottle with a piece of raw liver. <laughs> Gosh! Say, those are the kind of effects we need on our show. Now, Mary, I'll write a scene where you brush my cheek, you know, against your, your cheek against mine. See? But, Jack, liver's 90 cents a pound. Well, just kick me in the pants, says she. <laughs> now, Don, let's take the rehearsal from that scene where we're in the house and there's a knock on the door. Okay, Jack. Herbert, uh, give us a knock on the door. No, no, Herbert, a little louder. Herbert, that still isn't loud enough. Uh, why is the knock so soft? I use Jergens. <laughs> oh. Well, then maybe we ought to have a doorbell instead of a knock. There, that's more like it. Well, I didn't do that. What? Jack, there's really someone at the door. Huh? Oh, Don, you're near the door. Open it, man. Say, Jack, it's Jimmy Stewart. You see, Mary, what did I tell you? Came after me already. Come on in, Jimmy. Thanks. Uh, what can I do for you? Well, Jack, I hate to break in on your rehearsal like this, but there's something I want to talk to you about. Oh, Jimmy, it's quite all right. We have plenty of time. Not me. I got to go to Niagara Falls and meet Mary. <laughs> Dennis, be quiet. 
Now, Jimmy, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? It's about the picture. You see, Mary? Now, Jimmy, we can start production on the picture just as soon as I mean we... the picture you autographed at the Derby. <laughs> you kept my fountain pen. <laughs> oh, oh. I wouldn't have bothered, but it's a lifetime pen, and I'm young yet. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, here's your pen, Jimmy. Thanks. Now, Jimmy, let's get back to business. I know you made a swell picture call. You got to stay happy. But I can do so much for you that... Jack, why don't you leave him alone? Can't you see that Jimmy's not interested? But, Mary, I can help him. He doesn't need help. He's already won an Academy Award. An Academy Award, Jimmy? For what picture? Philadelphia story. Who cares about Philadelphia? I'm going to Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> now, be quiet. You know, uh, Mary, you know, uh, you're just about the only sensible one around here. <laughs> and you know something else? I, I think you're very pretty, too. Oh, Jimmy, do you, do you really mean it? Yeah, sure, of course I do. Come over here a minute, Mary. You know, you have, you have such beautiful eyes and such a lovely complexion. Oh, Jimmy. And maybe sometime I could take you out dancing in the moonlight. Just the two of us, maybe, and out on the patio. He's getting close to her, Herbert. Get ready with the liver. <laughs> Mr. Day! get bigger laughs than comedians. Now, look, Jimmy. Jimmy, let's settle, let's settle that picture deal we've been talking about. Well, Jack, I... I uh, You're supposed to be I, mad I, here. Oh, I, <laughs> uh, Jack, I just can't make a picture with you this year. Okay. <laughs> Got to be a ward he can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack, I just can't make a picture with you. You'll have to excuse me. Yeah. I'm going over to dressing room G. I have to look over a dramatic script. Oh, well, that's right next door, Jimmy. I'll show you where it is. Kids, I'll be back in a minute. So, Jimmy, as I pointed out to you, it'll be to your advantage to make this picture for me. Jack, now, you've been talking to me for an hour and a half since we came into the dressing room here. Now, will you please just let me lie here and relax? How about it, will you? Okay, okay, Jimmy. See you later. He'll be back. Oh, Don. Don, bring the quartet in now. We'll go over the commercial. Well, Jack, we're going to have a little difficulty with the sportsmen this week. They're having trouble with their wives, and they're all upset. What? Yes, yes, Jack, it's terrible. Their wives want to leave them. All four of them? <laughs> Don, I've never seen a quartet like that. When one has a cold, they all have cold. When one has a headache, they all have headaches. Don, I don't care if they're having trouble with their wives or not. We've got to have a commercial. 
Now, where are they? Well, they're in the dressing room talking to the wives on the phone. Oh, my goodness. Come on down. We'll go in and talk to them right now. And I can't imagine four fellas having the same trouble at the same time. Well, here's the dressing room. Let's go in. Look, Jack, they're still on the phone pleading with their wives. Yeah. Say it isn't so. Say it isn't so. Everyone is saying you don't love us. Say it isn't so. Gee, that's awful. I'm sorry. Everywhere we go. Boys, boys. Everyone we know. Fellas, fellas, look. Whispers that you're really going to leave us. Say it isn't so. Boys, I'm sorry for you, but I need a commercial. Please don't go away. Fellas, really, I need a commercial. Promise you will stay. Boys, look, a commercial. We will fill the house with lucky strikes. You'll get them every day. Thank heaven. Strike is better than the rest. You'll feel your level best. Don't leave us, darling. Say it isn't so. Boys, I know you're upset, but look at don't cry. Look at I'll talk to your wife. I'm sure everything will be all right. Tell us, look at right now, I need a commercial. Tell us, it'll be all right. I need a commercial, boys. LSMFT means fine tobacco, fine as you can grow. That's why we're happy. Baby, please don't go. Take them home. Maybe they'll feel better tomorrow. I'll see you later, Don. Yeah, I hate to see those fellas so upset. I hope they settle things with their wives. But then that's their worry, not mine. Oh, Jack. Huh? Oh, hello, Jimmy. Jack, uh, I came out here to talk to you. Yes, yes, about the picture. No, not about the picture. Then what is it, Jimmy? Jack, I realize now that when you took my fountain pen and the brown derby, you wanted me to follow you around. What? So, uh... When you took me into the dressing room and told me to lie down and relax and put my feet up on the chair, I should have known you were up to something. Huh? Jack, uh, give me back my shoes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, your shoes. Here you are, Jimmy. I'll thank you for my socks, too. Oh, yeah, your socks. Now, Jimmy, as long as you've got a few minutes while you're putting on your shoes and socks, let's talk about the picture. Now, if you will just... Now, no talk... more talk, Jack. I told you I have too many commitments, and that settles it. Okay, Jimmy, but if you change your mind, come around and see me. Well, I won't change my mind. Say it isn't so. <laughs> Little does he know. <laughs> la, 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 la. Now, come on, kids. Let's finish the rehearsal and make it snappy. Rochester's waiting for me out in the parking lot with my car. <laughs> Well, Mr. Benny will be out in about a half hour. I better start warming up the motor. <laughs> Must be something wrong with the battery again. I better take a look. Now, let's see.
see. There's the battery and it has the positive and the negative. Then there are the sparks. The sparks are supposed to go from the electrons to the electrodes. Or maybe they go from the generator to the distributor. Or then again, maybe they go from NBC to CBS. <laughs> yeah, I think this loose wire here is the trouble, so I'll just fasten it and... Hello, Rochester. Huh? Oh, hello, Mr. Stewart. Say, has Mr. Bennett come out of the studio yet? No, but he should be here any minute. Uh, by the way, Mr. Stewart, I was over to your house the day before Christmas. Mr. Bennett had me drop off a package for you. Did you get it? Yes, but this time there was too much starch in the collars. <laughs> well, don't look at me. I'm rough dry. Mr. Bennett's the starch man. <laughs> oh, indeed. You know, Rochester, your boss amazes me. How long has he been in the laundry business? Oh, a long, long time. Say, Mr. Stewart, you were born May 8th, 1911, weren't you? Yes, that's right. How'd you know? You used to take our diaper service. I did? <laughs> yeah. It broke Mr. Benny's heart the way you and Gary Cooper grew up so fast. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Rochester, I still can't understand a man of Mr. Benny's position having a laundry service in his home. Oh, the laundry's just a sideline. A sideline? Uh-huh. Mr. Benny does more business in his living room than Eastern Columbia, Broadway at night. <laughs> yeah. On dollar day, you can't get near the joint. All right, Rochester. Are we ready to go? Yes, boss. All set. Good. Now, first, I want you to drive me to... Uh, Jack, huh? I'd like to see you for a second. Oh, hello, Jimmy. So you finally changed your mind and you want to appear in my picture. No, no, no. It's not that. There's uh, something I'd like to ask you. What is it? Now, look, uh, Jack, I, you've been using little tricks so I'd follow you around all day, hmm? Well, yes, I must admit I did. You're, you're not angry, are you, Jimmy? Oh, no, no, no. But tell me one thing. What is it, Jimmy? I, 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 I know how you got my fountain pen. Uh -huh. I can even figure out how you got my shoes and my socks. Yeah. But how in the name of heaven did you get the filling out of my tooth? <laughs> I'll tell you when we finish the picture. Come on, Rochester, drive the car. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment. But first, smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. Put you on the right level to feel and do your level best. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco Lucky Strike. For as every smoker knows, LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. The experts, men who know tobacco, look to Lucky Strike for their own personal smoking enjoyment. Yes, more independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky's regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike and get on the Lucky Level, where there's real joy in living, where it's fun to be alive. The Lucky Level, where you feel and do your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the Lucky Level, where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of Luckies and get started today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Jimmy Stewart for following me around on my program today. And next Sunday, listen in to CBS lineup. The Prudential Hour, Spike Jones. Jack. Just a minute, Jimmy. 
And after Spike Jones come Jack Benny, that's me, and my guests will be Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Jack. Jimmy, just a minute. Dinner's Amos and Andy. Sam Spade. Jack, I've got to talk to you. Then there's life with Luigi, our Miss Brooks, and Helen Hayes. Jack. What is it, Jimmy? I want to go home. Give me my pants. <laughs> there you are. Good night, folks. And don't forget the new Lucky Strike program. Your Lucky Strike starring Don Amici. Heard every weekday afternoon over most of these stations. the Columbia Broadcasting System. Good health to all from Rexall. It's Sunday, time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Druggist. Good evening. This is your Rexall Family Druggist, taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 independent druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign in our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin, and they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We independent druggists recommend them to our customers because we know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. This morning, there was a little excitement in the Harris household. Alice and Phil were in the kitchen, just finishing breakfast, when an excited William burst in on them. Uh, Alice, it's so exciting, I don't know how to tell you. I... Oh, it's got me all a flutter. Well, calm down, Willie. Take it easy. Yeah, simmer down, books. You're getting your glasses all steamed up. <laughs> now, take it easy. What's with you? I have wonderful news. Romance has come into my life. I'm going to become engaged. <laughs> oh, now, Willie... Isn't it rather sudden? I never expected this. I did. I knew it was going to happen when he caught the bouquet at Betty Sharp's wedding. <laughs> well, William, I didn't even know you were going steady with a girl. Who is she? Miss O'Connor. She's my assistant in the bookkeeping department at Rexall. Uh, Philip met her. Phil, what does she look like? Like the kind of a girl who'd go out with a guy like Willie. <laughs> attractive little Irish girl. Oh, Irish, is it? Faith, and what does little Colleen look like, Philip? Well, Makushla. <laughs> well, look, honey, she's kind of hard to describe. Um, uh, do you know that song, A Little Bit of Heaven Fell From Out the Sky One Day? Yes. Well, when it fell, it must have hit her right in the kisses. <laughs> Uh, 
William, you've only known this girl a few weeks. Surely you're not serious about being engaged. Oh, but I am. I even bought the engagement ring. Here it is. Isn't it a beautiful ring? Yeah, and look, there's a place for a stone, too. <laughs> As a stone. It may be small, but it's a beauty. Alice, don't you think this is a beautiful diamond? <laughs> well, what do you think of the diamond? Give me a chance. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> you think it's awfully small, Willie? Well, I could have gotten a larger one, but I don't believe in a vulgar display of jewelry. Oh, in other words, you don't believe in being ostentatious. <laughs> what was that last word? Ostentatious, capital A-U-S-T-I-N, and you take it from there. <laughs> The word is ostentatious, and I doubt if you even know what it means. Know what it means? Are you kidding, Clyde? <laughs> ostentatious. It's a French word, meaning why spend a lot of cabbage for a ring when you can get the same thing for a nickel out of an iron claw machine? <laughs> you know, when you might like to meet your girlfriend before you get engaged, why don't you bring her over here tonight? Well, splendid, Alice. We'll, we'll announce our engagement from here. Uh, by the way, do you mind if I leave the ring with you for safekeeping? I paid $42.98 for it, and I don't want to lose it. You paid all of $42.98 for a diamond ring? My, what a horrendous price. <laughs> Give it to me, Willie. I'll take care of it. Got it with your life, Philip. Well, I'll run along now and see you tonight. Oh, to think that at last I have found romance. I'm just a vagabond lover. And I'm a dream girl, it seems. Oh, no. The Rudy Valley of Encino. <laughs> Don't make fun of him, Phil. He's so happy about the whole thing. Gee, I hope nothing happens to break up his romance with Miss O'Connor. What if it does? Willie can get another girl. There are plenty of fish on the beach. You mean in the sea? On the beach. When he gets them, they're washed up. <laughs> now, look, honey, I don't Mommy, mind him... We just saw Uncle William, and he was singing. What's the matter with him? Yeah, what's cooking with old vagabond lover? <laughs> he looks sick. If you had a voice like his, you'd look sick, too. <laughs> now, Phil, please. Girls, your Uncle William is in love. He's going to get engaged to be married. What's engaged? It's the ether before the operation. <laughs> That's a nice romantic explanation. Now, look, children, an engagement is when a man asks a woman to marry him. Like, well, just like when your daddy asked me to become his wife. Oh, I'll never forget his proposal. Mommy, how did daddy proposal to you? Oh. Well, honey, he was very romantic. He got down on his knees and said, Blondie, this is your big chance. <laughs> Can I put the lug on you for two bucks for a marriage license? Yeah, and your mother was smart enough to take advantage of a golden opportunity. <laughs> no, but all kidding aside, Alice, uh, how did you know that I was in love with you. That was easy, Phil. A little bird told me that you loved me. That you loved me. And I believe 
That you do. That you do. This little bird also told me I was falling. Really falling. Falling for no one but you. None but you. There's no use denying. I might as well confess. Of all the boys I know, dear, I'm sure I love you best. A little bird told me that you love me. That you love me. And I believe that it's true. A little bird told me we'll be married. And I believe that it's true. This little bird also told me when we marry We'll have a pretty cottage not too far All fenced in like a movie star Great Dane Pup will call him ace Lying there by the fireplace Goldfish pond and a wishing well Everything's gonna turn out swell A little bird told her she'd be married And we believe that is true his little bird also told her when she married We'll be the proudest couple in the land We go through life hand in hand Have a ranch away out west Pick the spot that we love the best A peachy keen and all is well Everything is gonna turn out swell And this is true we know A little birdie told us so I love that little Boyd. Well, come along, girls. I want you to get ready for Sunday school. And Phil, Phil, please put Willie's ring away someplace. Okay, okay, I'll put it away. I'll put it away. <laughs> Bet this thing's going <laughs> I bet this thing's gonna look awful silly on a girl's hand. I'm gonna slip it on my finger just to see how silly it does look. Fine ring. How any guy'd have the nerve to give a ring like this to a girl. Hi, Curly. Oh, oh. Hello, Frankie. Alice told me you were in the kitchen and I were. <laughs> Where you got on your finger? An engagement ring? <laughs> oh. May I throw you a linen shower? <laughs> All right, Remley, cut it out. I ain't no mood for comedy. Cut it out. Wish somebody give me an engagement ring. I said cut it out. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> Take it easy for a minute, will you? Mm -hmm. This is Willie's engagement ring, and I'm just holding it for him. Willie's getting engaged? Yeah. To what? <laughs> to a girl. At least I think she is. She's got a girl's name. What's he want to get engaged for? That could lead to something incurable, like marriage. <laughs> and what's wrong with marriage? You don't even know what marriage is. Ah, but I do, my friend. <laughs> marriage is like a boat with red sails. Now, what does that mean? 
How should I know? What am I, a philosopher or something? <laughs> That's the trouble with single guys like you. You laugh at marriage. Laugh. Wouldn't do you no harm to find a nice girl and settle down. Why should I? This way I can play the field and go out with a different girl every night. But, Ramley, having a wife is a guaranteed investment for the future. Why buy an oil well when there's a gas station on every corner? <laughs> can't understand you. What's the matter with you, Remley? What are you thinking about? Wouldn't you like to settle down and have a family? Well, that I might like. <laughs> I knew you were a softy. Just think, Frankie. Hmm? Just think. You get married, buy a nice home in the country, and after a year or two, you hear the patter of little feet running around the house. Just feet, no babies? <laughs> I give up. Forget about it. Okay. Well, wait a minute. I better take Willie. Hey, Remley. Come on. That Willie's ring is stuck on my finger and I can't get it off. Won't come off. What am I going to do? Guess you'll just have to marry Willie. <laughs> I'll cut my finger off first. Hey, I know. What? I get it. I'll go over to the sink and rub a little soap on it. It'll slip right off. You want me to help you, Curly? I'll pull the ring off. Oh, no, you don't. Stop right there. Every time you help me do something, I wind up behind the eight ball. You'd probably drop it down the drain. I'll take it off myself. All right. Rub it a little. It's coming off. Mm-hmm. I'm getting it. Oh, no, down the drain. <laughs> oh, Took you two bounces to get it in. I could have done it in one. <laughs> Frankie, will you be serious a minute? I got to get that ring out of that pipe. Willie's supposed to give it to his girl tonight. Unless that dame's a plumber, she ain't going to get engaged. <laughs> well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Curly. Dropping that poor girl's ring down the drain and she hasn't even seen it yet. Hey, I better call her and tell her to hurry over to the corner of 5th and Main. What for? So she can lift the manhole cover and get a glimpse of it as the ring floats by. What a romantic way to get engaged. <laughs> oh, Curly, it can't float away. It's probably stuck in the trap at the bottom of the sink. Yeah. That's right, that little thing. A little curve. Sure, job. all we got to do is take the trap off. That's it. Hey, let's go get my wrench. I don't know. I get into more trouble than Elmer. I'd ask you who Elmer is, but I know it would only lead to a song. Well, it's going to lead to one anyway. Now, Elmer Jones arose at dawn and put his hunting britches on, then looked up at the shotgun on the wall. He made his mind up then and there to bag himself a hunk of bear. At hunting, he had plenty on the ball. He milked the cow and fed the hog, then kissed his wife and called the dog, picked up his gun and started on his quest. He crossed the creek and hit the trees, threw back his head and sniffed the breeze, let out a yell and pounded on his chest. Here comes Elmer, Elmer's got his gun. Here comes Elmer, run, bear, run. He hunted all the morning through, but not a bear came into view while Elmer's thoughts were on the kitchen range. For he was sick as he could be of lamb and chicken fricassee and craved a mess of bear meat for a change. 
Poor Elmer's mind was in a fog. He paused and sat down on a log to get his faculties back in the groove. He heard a noise, and standing there before him was a grizzly bear and thought it time that he'd better make his move. Here comes Elmer. Elmer's got his gun. Here comes Elmer. Run, bear, run. Grabbed his gun and turned around, but Mr. Bear just stood his ground, and Elmer said, it's either me or thou. The gun refused to go, and so he knew that somebody had to go and said, farewell, I'm leaving as of now. Then Elmer's shoulders sprouted wings, his feet developed inner springs. To linger longer, he was disinclined. He ran so fast through muck and mire, his ankles set his socks afire, and still that bear kept coming on behind. Here comes Elmer, Elmer's got his gun. Here comes Elmer, run, bear, run. A deer with antlers eight feet wide got in the way of Elmer's stride as both of them went heading for the brush. Then Elmer said, now listen, son, if that's the fastest you can run, move over, because I'm really in a rush. The bear was gaining inch by inch and finally reached out for the clinch as Elmer saw the fence around his place. He leaped the fence and landed hard, jumped 60 feet across the yard and slammed the kitchen door in Bruins' face. Here comes Elmer, Elmer's got his gun. Here comes Elmer, run, bear, run. The bear was trying to get inside while Elmer sought a place to hide, and Mrs. Jones began to pull her hair. She said, this fuss has got to stop. Why don't you let the matter drop? And Elmer said, honey, go tell it to the bear. Then Elmer's wife said, listen, goon, how come you think you're Daniel Boone whose appetite on bear meat used to thrive? He said, honey, I'm sure that you're aware that Daniel always killed his bear, but I done brought this baby home alive. Here comes Elmer, Elmer's got his gun. Here comes Elmer, run, bear, That's a very interesting tale. <laughs> now shall we take the trap off? Okay, funny man. Just give me that wrench and I'll Phil? get out. Phil, did you put... What are you doing with that wrench? Well, I, I got to take the trap off of the sink. Uh, um, uh, Willie's ring is down the drain. <laughs> oh, no. How did it get down there? Um, I couldn't say. <laughs> I could. Curly dropped it down. Francis Waldo You have snitched again Well, honey, we Phil, can how do you do these things? Now, look, we've got to get that ring out of the drain Before William comes over with his girl I'll call a plumber We don't need no plumber All Frankie and me has to do is just remove that little trap Now, now, wait a minute You fellas know what you're doing? Alicia Please To get the trap off All we have to do is bend this elbow Yes, but do you know how? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, did you hear that, Frankie? Do we know how to bend an elbow? (laughs) Alice, you're looking at two of the most experienced elbow benders in the (laughs) country You know how? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little worried. Something tells me I shouldn't let you do this. But we have to get that ring back. Now, go ahead. But be careful. And don't get any water on my kitchen floor. <laughs> 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 
Don't get any water on my kitchen floor. Don't get any water on my kitchen floor. <laughs> Always happens. nagging us, Curly. Her father's a policeman, I told you. <laughs> Don't get any water on the kitchen floor. Nag, 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 nag. nag. Sometimes I wonder why we ever married that woman. <laughs> we know what we're doing. Every minute. Come on, Remley, let's get at that pipe. Right. Hmm. What's the matter? Hey, look under there. Let me see. There are four pipes under there. Four? Yeah. Which one do we take out, Remley? I don't know. Let's be on a safe side and take them all out. <laughs> Hand me the hammer, I'll loosen them up. Here. Oh, Remley, why do I always listen to you? When will I ever learn? <laughs> Stop sitting there beefing. Swim over here and help me. <laughs> you can help yourself. I ain't getting off of this refrigerator. <laughs> Look at that water. It's up to your waist. So we got the kitchen a little damp. A little damp. <laughs> We got the ring out of the pipe, didn't we? Yeah, when the water rushed out, we heard it fall on the floor, but we haven't found it yet. Been looking for it for an hour. Be patient. Oh, patient, he said. You keep looking, you'll find it. Go ahead, dive in again. <laughs> this time, try a jackknife. You get more depth. Look, will you cut out the clowning? I told you we gotta find the ring. I got an idea. Let's open the door to the hole and let the water run out. Then we'll be able to find the ring. Oh, no, you don't. We're not going to flood the whole house. Don't touch that door. If anybody should open that door, hey, they ain't... Hey, everybody, I'm from the grocery Hey, leave them out in the hall, Julius. Don't come in here. Don't open the door. Why not? What are you guys up to now? I'm coming in. What are you doing? Hey, Curly, look at him go down the hall. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a salmon swimming upstream. Help! Help! Run for your lives, everybody in the damn place! Who opened the dike? Be quiet, will you? Do you want Alice to come down here? Be quiet, he says. They're trying to drown me and they want me to be quiet. <laughs> you not to open that door. How was I to know you got arrested for you in your kitchen? <laughs> Next time I make a delivery here, I'm coming to submarine. This house is the darndest place to... Stop making all that racket, will you? Kid, you got some seal blood in you? Uh, I can't help it. I swallowed something. Do something. Uh, 
Curly. Plunger, if you put that thing over my mouth, I'll suffocate. That's right, that kid's right, Frankie. What do you want to do? Exfixinate him? You can't do that. If that pipe stopped up, there's only one thing to do. Here, Julius, drink this. What is it? Drano. Now, hurry, go ahead. Drink it, kid. Now, drink it. Bottoms up. Well, then, good. Now, leave us alone, will you? We got to look for a ring. I've been looking, Curly. I looked all over the floor. I can't find it anywhere. Well, it must be here. We heard it drop. The floor just didn't open it up and swallow it. How could it get out of the... <laughs> swallow? Say, um... Seal face. <laughs> that, uh, that, that thing you swallowed, Julius, uh, uh, what did it feel like? Kind of round and hard. Oh, no! Oh, no, he swallowed the ring. How are we going to get it, Frankie? There's only one way we can get it out. You mean? <laughs> Prepare for surgery, Dr. Howard. <laughs> hey, that sounds like fun, huh? <laughs> Lie down, Julius. Get your mitts off of me! <laughs> Don't touch me, Julius. You'll make me unsterile. <laughs> take it easy, kid. This ain't gonna hurt. Of course not, my lad. Just relax. <laughs> Remember, you're in the capable hands of Dr. Harris, your friendly credit stomach surgeon. <laughs> you don't have a thing to worry about, Julius. Shall we proceed? Would you like to make the incision, Dr. Harris? No, thank you. You may do the carving. <laughs> Very well. A little white meat, please. <laughs> Not too much cranberry sauce. You think I was a twinkie? They wanted no raffle. <laughs> now look, fellas, let's stop the comedy. A joke is a joke, but this type of humor don't appeal to me. We ain't joking. You swallowed Willie's engagement ring, and we gotta get it. Yeah, because he's supposed to give it to his girl tonight, and if we don't get it out of you, it's gonna break up their romance. Now, you're not going to be an old meanie and refuse to let us operate on you, are you? Oh, perish the thought. <laughs> Never let it be said that my stomach stood in the way of true love. <laughs> Good boy, Julius. Then you let us do it? You let us operate on you? Go plug up the hole in your head. <laughs> I'm getting out of here before I... Oh, Bill. Bill, what have you and Frankie done now? The hole is soaked. Alice told me what you did with my ring. Where is it, Philip? Well, you see, Julius had the ring and... Philip, <laughs> stop stalling. Miss O'Connor's promised to marry me as soon as I give her the ring. But, Willie, it's going to take a little time and I... I get... won't wait. I can't get married without that ring and I want to get married now. Right now? Now. <laughs> well, in that case, Willie, there's only one thing to do. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. Philip! Why are you placing my, my hand on Julius's stomach? Quiet. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to join these two in matrimony. Philip, stop that. Stop I now that pronounce right. you man and abdomen. Congratulations. Phil. 
Now, look, Phil, you're acting like a madman. What's going on oh, here? Oh, honey, Julius swallowed the ring. He swallowed my ring? Julius, you come with me. We're going to see a doctor. Okay, goodbye, everybody. So long, kid. Hey, kid. You make a nice-looking couple. Yeah. Just think, part of me is now Mrs. William Emerson Fay. <laughs> Ooh, what a nauseating thought. <laughs> <laughs> And now here's your Rexall family druggist. Every once in a while, we Rexall family druggists are asked this important question. Why is a Rexall druggist different from any other? Well, ma'am, the main difference is we were selected to carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company, and we take pride in recommending them to our customers. Well, they must be pretty fine products if druggists recommend them. You've hit the nail exactly on the head, ma'am. Let me give you an example of why we recommend them. Did you know, for instance, that drug products in tablet form should contain little or no moisture? No, I didn't know that. Well, it's true. And that's why in Rexall's laboratories, there's a special apparatus that can detect as little as one one-thousandth of one percent of moisture. Before certain drug tablets are considered good enough to wear the Rexall label, they must meet their maximum moisture allowance as determined by this exacting machine. Well, I'd say that's being pretty careful. And I agree with you, ma'am. And we Rexall druggists know that all Rexall drug products get the same kind of painstaking scientific testing and get it over and over again. That's why in every drugstore with the orange and blue Rexall sign in the window, there's an independent druggist who will tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Horace, you did a wonderful job, and don't forget, everybody, to stay tuned to this station for Fred Allen. Good night, everybody. Thank you. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. This is M. His name is Titus Moody, Bob. I just want to say that there's a fellow coming on the air who is comical as all get out. Yes, sir, this man has real snappy stuff, wholesale and retail. His name is Fred Allen. So just sit there and listen to NBC, the whole darn national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1938-1939 season. This is an episode I've been waiting for, and a lot of you might have been waiting for as well. Jack takes on Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And he calls it Snow White and the Seven Gangsters. Well, he did this the previous year, and I've never really sat down and compared them too much. But I thought it was so interesting when I was looking at comparing the two episodes and who played what, that I thought I would go ahead and talk about them both. Um... I'm also going to first play you uh, this year's episode, but after that's all finished, it will immediately segue into my podcast from last year's episode and play last year's episode for if you want to compare the two yourself, you can do that. So let's just start going through. Uh, The first person that I've got here is Kenny Baker, and Kenny Baker plays Dopey in the first um, version and he plays Dopey again in the second version, so his part doesn't really change much. It's interesting, though, of course, Dopey in the film has no lines whatsoever. 
So it's fun to tune in and see what Kenny does with that. Um, Wally Barker plays Grumpy in the original version, but in tonight's version, the second version, of course, he does. He's not even in the in the cast. Harry Baldwin tonight is going to play the Dynamite Delivery Man. He's also going to be Prince Charming, uh, one of the Prince Charmings. There's actually two Prince Charmings tonight, uh, whereas in the original he only played the Dynamite Delivery Person. Ed Boulogne in the original played a deer. That's it, just a deer. Ed Boulogne in this version plays Sneezy and Silver Fox. Um, oh, he's also, I guess he also played Sneezy in the first version. He's just listed twice as Deer and then listed again separately as Sneezy. Usually they list them all together. Anyway, Jack Benny plays Doc in the first version, and he plays Doc in this version as well as a worm. <laughs> Andy Devine in the first version played Bashful. In tonight's version, he's going to play Prince Charming. He got a little uh, promotion there. Phil Harris is sleepy in both. Schlepperman in the original is Prince Charming. Of course, Schlepperman is Sam Hearn. And Sam Hearn is not in the remake that we have for tonight. So, let's see who we've got here. It says Mary plays uh, Snow White. And Mary played Snow White in the original as well. Uh, we also have Blanche Stewart, who plays Agatha the Witch in both versions. And Don plays Happy in both versions. And, of course, Andy Devine uh, plays Prince Charming, like I said, in this version. So it's fun to hear Andy in that role. There's a lot of music throughout. Uh, let's see, Someday My Prince Will Come is sung by Sam Hearn in the original, but in tonight's, it's going to be sung by Mary Livingston and Andy Devine. And Mary Livingston and Harry Baldwin. So, it should be interesting. The first version has the longest laugh, one of the longest laughs ever in a Jack Benny show uh, that Mary does, and it's interesting, it'll be interesting tonight to see when she does the same uh, gag as to how many laughs, how big of a laugh it gets in tonight's episode. So, just kind of fun to compare the two. I know that, I can't, I couldn't find it when I was looking at it, but I know that Walt Disney is in the audience for one of the two versions. I tend to think it'd probably be the second one, because Jack will sometimes redo one of his skits. And it seems like, and I don't know this, but it seems like it's at the request of someone involved with, with the original movie. For instance, he might do uh, a skit, and then six months later do the skit, but in the audience or introducing the skit will be one of the main actors or the director or the producer of the original film. And so my guess would be at a party somewhere they bumped into each other and, and that producer, director, actor said, oh, I'd love to come and introduce that skit if you ever do it again, because I loved it. And so um, Jack would do that. And in this case, my guess would be that Walt Disney approached him to redo it, um, and so he probably redid it and had Walt Disney in the audience. I could be totally wrong. Walt Disney might be in the audience the first time. I think it might be actually mentioned during the actual show. So 
uh, we'll find out whether I'm right with my guess or wrong. And either way, I'm a great guy. So, <laughs> so anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. Fun, fun episode of Jack Benny, the Jack Benny Show. Fun to see the cast and all these in these crazy roles, and uh, awesome to think of what Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs um, did for animation, did for film. It changed everything. Uh, there was no um, full-length uh, animation film before, uh, at least not a success, truly successful one. This one was a gigantic success and launched the whole Disney Studios. There would probably be no uh, Disneyland, no Disney World, if it wasn't for this film doing so well. Uh, the closest thing I can think to it, if we want to think of something similar that's happened in our lifetimes, uh, unless you were around in '37 is uh, probably in 1995 when Toy Story came out. It just changed everything. Nothing's been the same in animation since. Uh, Two-dimensional animation has just not um, flourished as much as it did the previous 50 years or so. And uh, what's taken its place really is the the 3D animation uh, of Toy Story, the computer animation, uh, that we see in so many, so, so very many films. I think it's interesting that now uh, Disney was going to give up on two-dimensional um, uh, animation, traditional animation, but when when they bought Pixar, one of the stipulations Pixar made was that we want to bring back the 2D animation um, films and have both uh, computer-animated films and traditionally animated films, which I think is a brilliant idea because uh, they just both look so different and they're both... Um, wonderful mediums and uh, anyway enjoy tonight's episode uh, if you haven't gone to see a wonderful film lately uh, I loved my family and I went to see um, Frozen and just loved it it's probably my favorite Disney film I guess musical you'd say my favorite Disney musical or even Disney film I suppose since uh, like Beauty and the Beast but I do love musicals and so uh, I love the soundtrack. We immediately downloaded it after we got back home um, so we could play it. Um, iTunes has one of them fairly cheap, the uh, the standard version or something. The deluxe version is like way expensive, but we got the standard version. We just love it. And so uh, my, my daughter and I have been playing that soundtrack forever uh, here at the house. And uh, what else was I going to say? I guess... Um, I said it's my favorite Disney film. If I was to say it was to include Pixar films, then there'd be a lot of other choices that have been fabulous since then. Uh, but as far as Disney films, I think it is my favorite since um, Sleeping Beauty, uh, excluding Pixar. Anyway, enjoy, and we will see you next time. And if you haven't seen Frozen, get out there and see it. Great film. The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Kenny Baker, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with It Serves You Right. Shakespeare, who thought of everything, once said, All that glitters is not gold. Well, I have a new version of that. All that shimmers is not Jell-O, but you can be absolutely sure of getting the real thing if you look for the name Jell-O on the box before you buy. 
That is your assurance right there of delicious things to eat. Yes, sir, before you even open the package, you know that here's a grand dessert. Well, that name Jell-O is a trademark. It's the property of General Foods. If you ever hear any other gelatin dessert called Jell-O, you'll know that that is incorrect, for there is no other Jell-O. Genuine Jell-O brings you delicious, extra-rich fruit flavors, lovely glowing colors, the most inviting dessert you ever enjoyed. So don't accept any substitutes for the real thing. Insist on genuine Jell-O when you buy. Look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O, and Jell-O spells a treat. It serves you right, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that Don Juan, that Casanova, that answer to a maiden's prayer, Jack Benny. Thank you. Yep. Hello again. This is a woman's home companion talking. <laughs> and, Don, you certainly went to town on that introduction. If I do say it myself, you hit the nail right on the head. Oh, you liked it, huh? Well, Don, before you mentioned it, I never quite looked at myself as an answer to a maiden's prayer. But come to think of it, I guess I do have a way with the ladies. Oh, I've got to tell him, Phil. Now, keep still. Let him rave. Hey, wait a minute. What is this? Well, Jack, if you must know, Phil bet me a dollar that if I introduced you as a ladies' man, you'd go for it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, I see. A frame-up, huh? Well, that's one on me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so you're making money on practical jokes now, eh, Phil? Yeah, that's my sideline. Yeah, well, just pull one more on me, and your sideline will be your main occupation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't see what you fellas want to rib me for. You know, you never see me outstepping unless there's a pretty good-looking girl with me. I admit that, Jack, but they always look so bored. Well, certainly they look bored, Don. That's because they're sophisticated. They're blaze. I mean, they're blasé. <laughs> That's what. So your girls are sophisticated, eh? They certainly are. I saw you with one last night, and she had a gold tooth right in front. Well, she's from the Klondike. <laughs> That explains that. All right, now explain those high-button shoes she had on. Oh, high-button shoes. I suppose she was wearing a bustle, too. It was either that or a papoose. <laughs> you know, Phil, it's funny, but I just can't seem to scream at you tonight. Maybe I'm not in the mood. Who knows? And let's not discuss my love life any further. We've got a long play to do. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Who was that goon I saw you with last night? <laughs> Goon? Yes, why don't you go out with good-looking girls once in a while like Phil does? Now, wait a minute, Mary. Miss LaRose may not have been the most beautiful girl. <laughs> Miss LaRose may not be the most beautiful girl in the world, but she's delightful company and very refined. Yeah, she's the only girl I ever saw that ate a steak like it was corn on the cob. 
Now, she wasn't that bad. Go on. She ordered a baked apple and Bob for it. <laughs> All right, Mary, just relax and mind your own darn business. Say, has anyone seen Kenny? We've got to get our play started. You want me, Jack? Well, I don't want you, Kenny, but you're supposed to be here. <laughs> Where have you been the last 15 minutes? I was outside in the telephone booth talking to my girl. Oh. But somebody wanted to use the phone, so we had to get out. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> and now, now that we're all here, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, by special request, we are going to bring you our 1939 version of Walt Disney's screen classic, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We are? Well, what do you know about that? Well, don't act so surprised, Bill. I announced we were going to do Snow White last week. Well, I didn't hear you. Oh, you didn't. Bill, don't you ever pay attention when I say something on this program? Not unless I say something right after it. Hmm. I wish you'd think of someone besides yourself, Maestro. Oh, stop picking on Phil. I didn't hear you say anything about Snow White either. Well, of course you didn't. All during the last half of the program, you were pitching pennies with the orchestra. <laughs> well, I won 30 cents in a piccolo player. Well, give him back to Phil. I'm going to fine you 30 cents. <laughs> anyway, believe me, fellas, I announced Snow White last week. That's a lot of baloney. <laughs> Oh, brother. <laughs> Kenny, I said it, and I said it so everybody could hear me. I guess I must have been worrying about Congress. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> and now, folks, for our version of this play... Say, Jack, are you sure you announced Snow White last week? Hmm, what a routine. <laughs> you know, folks, this has been the greatest waste of time since Fred Allen got a sponsor. <laughs> Don, I'm as sure that I mentioned Snow White last Sunday as you are that you said Jell-O has six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Well, that convinces me, and look for the big red letters on the box. I knew that would get you. Now, getting back to our play, so Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, in our version... Hey, Phil, what's a dwarf? My salary with a beard on it. <laughs> That's right, huh? Now, in our musical comedy, folks, as none of us look like dwarfs, we are going to call our play Snow White and the Seven Gangsters. Mary Livingston, who left her rouge at home, will be Snow White. Now, let's see. Who's going to be the witch? The girl Jack was out with last night. <laughs> she is not. I'm getting the same witch we had last year. Where are you, witch? Here I am. <laughs> Gee, is she going to be my stepmother again? Yes, and she's going to give you a poisoned apple. You stole pigeon! Quiet, you old bat. <laughs> now, our play will go on immediately after Kenny's song. And by the way, Mary, you want to know something? Walt Disney is sitting in our audience. Well, as long as he stays there, we're all right. Hmm. I don't mind him coming, but he didn't have to bring Ferdinand the Bull with him. Sing, Kenny. <laughs> Possessed me One love Thrilling me through One song My heart keeps singing Of one love Only for 
Snow White, sung by Kenny Baker. And thanks, Kenny. It was certainly apropos. Apropos? Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Kenny, apropos means that your song fits the occasion. Oh. Yeah. You mean like pajamas in bed? That's it. That's it, exactly. Yeah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our musical comedy, Snow White and the Seven Gangsters, uh, which we will present in four acts and 38 scenes. And as a special inducement for tonight only, we are going to give away to each and every listener a genuine solid gold soup knife. A soup knife? What's that for? It's for scraping it off of neckties. <laughs> the opening scene is an isolated farmhouse. As the curtain rises, Doc Benny is giving his boys a pep talk. Curtain. Music. Now listen, men. We got a big job on for tonight. The biggest thing we've tackled since we cracked the mint. We're going to stick up the 12th National Bank. Do you get that? I'll call the roll, see if we're all here. Sleepy. Oh, here, Doc. Sneezy. Kerchew, Doc. Gesundheit. <laughs> Happy. I'm right here, Doc. Feeling fine and raring to go. <laughs> well, what are you giggling about? I got an awful toothache. <laughs> oh, isn't that jolly? Grumpy. Right here, Chief. But I'm afraid we're soon going to get caught this time. Oh, you're too pessimistic. Bashful. Where's Bashful? Here I am, Doc, under the bed. Well, come on over here with us. What makes you so bashful? Well, Doc, when I was a kid, I went to a party and I caught a sealer moss trade and it was splitted. Of course, I didn't know they were going to fight with sealer the way it And when I kind of fought a sealer across the street, and I've been blushing ever since. <laughs> hmm, fine gangster. Now, let's see, who else? Oh, yes, Dopey. That's me, folks, and very apropos. 
And you're a fine crook, too, the way you waste your time. What do you mean? I sent you out yesterday to pick pockets, and the first guy you hit was Fred Allen. What did you find there? Some chewing tobacco and some chewing gum. Oh. They taste awful together. <laughs> I shouldn't wonder. And you, Bashful? Yes, Doc? I sent you out for bullets yesterday, and you brought back a bag of jelly beans. Well, the man at the store said they'd be caught a seat if I said, with a boom-boom. <laughs> I don't care what he said. Now, listen, fellas. You've been laying down on the job lately, so I want you all to be on your toes tonight. Uh, stay, Doc. What is it, Sleepy? What time are we going to rob the bank? About midnight, and this time don't fall asleep on the burglar alarm. Okay. I'm afraid of that job, Chief. We're sure to get caught. Oh, we are, eh? How do you feel about it, Happy? Grumpy's right. We'll all go to Sing Sing and never come out. Gee, it'll be awful. <laughs> I certainly got a brave bunch of men here. Scare your own shadow. Ah, oh, shut up. Yes, sir. What's that? Gee, it darn near worked. <laughs> now, listen, men. We got a big job on tonight, and we got to get some money. There's a payment due on our beards. <laughs> so let's all work together. Just as soon as our supply of dynamite gets here, we'll go. Come in. Package of dynamite for Doc Benny. Sign here. Now, wait a minute. Is this dynamite good and strong? I think so. I had two arms when I started out. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, men, now listen carefully. We'll meet tonight at 11.30 in the alley right in back of the bank. Is that clear? Sure, oh, right, 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 right there. Yeah, sure thing. right there. What about you, Dopey? Will you remember where we're going to meet? Yeah, I tied a string around my little finger. Well, take that yo-yo off the other end. <laughs> now remember, fellas, 11.30 in the alley behind the bank. And then, do you know where we go from there? Where? Hi-ho, hi-ho, to rob the bank we'll go. A safe will blow and grab the dough. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. Now don't be late, you know. We gotta work quick with a chisel and pick. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. I'm sleepy that I know, and I'm so fresh and if all the folks said dead. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. Why don't you eat Jello? Just try a dish, it's so delish. Hi ho, hi ho, hi ho, hi ho. The scene changes. We now take you to the home of Miss Snow White, who lives on Park Avenue with her cruel stepmother, Mrs. Agatha Witch. Oh, she's a meanie. Take it away, Park Avenue. to you and don't keep calling up here anymore. Goodbye yourself. Who was that, stepmother? That was your boyfriend, Prince Charming. Now listen, Snow. <laughs> I don't want you to go out with him anymore. He's just after your money. So are you. Well, I saw you first. <laughs> now, don't you dare to leave this room, you little brat. Isn't she awful, folks? Quiet, you Waukegan weasel. <laughs> my stepmother so cruel to me? Is she jealous of me, perchance? Or is she jealous of me good look? And where is my Prince Charming? If he would just come and take me away, I'd be so happy. He'll be here, folks. You see? That 
must be him now. Is that you, Prince Charming? If it ain't, I whitewash my horse for nothing. <laughs> well, come right in. Oh, Prince Charming. Hello, Snow White. How's my itsy bitsy lambsy piesy? <laughs> Isn't he lousy wowsy, folks? Oh, Prince, I'm so glad you're here. My stepmother's getting crueler every day. Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Is that so? Well, what's the matter with that old Mickey Finn? Why, only this morning she tried to kill me. She gave me a poison apple for breakfast. A poison apple? Yeah, and another thing. My stepmother says you're not a real prince. You are a real prince, aren't you? I'll say I am. My blood is so blue every time I cut my finger, I fill my fountain pen. Then I don't care what she says. I love you, my prince. And if you'd only take me away from here, I'd be so happy. Don't worry, my little angel cake. Someday I'll take you to my castle in Van Eyes. In Van Eyes? When? Someday. Oh, someday. Someday we'll go away. Someday so far away. And how thrilling. That moment will be when the prince of my dreams comes to me. I'll whisper, I love you, and steal a kiss or two, though I'm ready or Wasn't that awful, folks? <laughs> well, goodbye, darling. I must go now. Away on my faithful steed. There he is now. Say, your horse is awful thin, isn't he? He sure is. Hi ho, sliver! He looks a little like Harrington. <laughs> so Prince. <laughs> so Prince Charming leaves. The door opens, and in walks the wicked stepmother, and says... Snow White? Snow White? Who was that in here singing? Nino Martini. Well, he ought to gargle. Hmm. I know it was that Prince Charming, and I told you never to see him again. But I love him, stepmother. He's so handsome and romantic. And besides, he's the only man I've ever seen. Well, then, for heaven's sake, wait a while. Yes. If you hold out, you can get one that wears shoes. But, Stepmother, please. Anyway, I'll put a stop to this affair, you little fool. Here. Have an apple. Don't take it, Snow White. It's poison. Stay out of this, you gray-haired ham. <laughs> hmm. But he's right, Stepmother. This apple is poison. It is not. Then why is that worm waving a red flag? <laughs> you see? <laughs> I'll make you eat it. Come here, Snow White. No, no, I'll run away from home. That's what I'll do. I'll run away from home. Stop! Stop! No, no, I'll never see you again. Never, never. Goodbye, stepmother. Goodbye, worm. Goodbye. Oh. <laughs>
So little Snow White runs away from home. And two days later, we find her lost in a dense forest somewhere in Long Island. Oh, here I am in the woods. And look at the animals following me. Oh, see the pretty bird. Hello, bird. <laughs> Well, the same canary we had last year, you know. Gee, none of these animals are afraid of me. Look at that little silver fox with a bushy tail. Isn't he cute? Come here, silver fox. Oh, no, you got my brother around your neck now. All right, smarty. Gee, I'm so tired and hungry. Oh, look, there's a farmhouse over yonder. Maybe I can get food and shelter there. Here I come, farmhouse. Ha, ha, ha. All right, men. We're ready to rob the bank. Now, remember, this ain't no picnic, so everybody work fast and be on your guard. Say, Bashful, have you got the machine gun? Oh, sure. I can't see the boss until he crosses the street to find the trade. He gets a part of the specimen. Does that mean yes or no? <laughs> Step a flat. <laughs> okay. Hey, Dopey, stop chewing that dynamite. You'll blow your brains out. If I had any brains, I wouldn't be chewing it. Oh. Well, we're all set now. Hey, wait a minute. Where's Sleepy? Hey, Sleepy, wake up. We got to go to work. Oh, well, we can do without them. Now, let's go, men. And here's my final instruction. While we're robbing that bank, there's one thing that's very important. What's that, Chief? For heaven's sake, don't whistle while you work. Don't whistle while you work. Or the cops will come. We'll have to run. Be as quiet as a turk. You mean quiet as a mouse. But I couldn't make it rhyme. Now, come on, boys, and make no noise. We haven't got much time. Now remember, each of you, we know what we must do. Now you must be still. I know I will. La, 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 la. Don't whistle while you work, or the cops are sure to hurt. They'll get their men, put us in the can. Don't whistle while you work. I'm screaming, honey. Don't whistle, whistle while you work. I'm shouting, baby. Don't whistle, whistle while you work. I'm repeating. Don't whistle, whistle while you work. All right, men, we're on our way. Let's go. Wait a minute. I know it. It's the cops. The cops? Gee, I'll bet they give us life this time. <laughs> Quiet, I'll handle this. Come in. Hello, everybody. My name is Snow White. Why, it's a girl. A girl? <laughs> yes, a girl. What do you want, Snow White? Yeah, I thought this was a farmhouse. Aren't you all farmers? No, we're not farmers. We're bandits. And right now, we're going out to rob a bank. Rob a bank? Oh, you mustn't do that. Why not? Because it's antisocial and unstatutory. Oh, it is. Did you hear that, fella? It's antisocial and an unstatutory. It's also pulled in quincent and bulled in quincent and pulled in Never mind that. <laughs> Come on, man. Tie this dame up and throw her down the cellar. Throw me down, too. 
Grab her, man. Now, wait a minute, Chief. She can't harm us. Well, we're not taking any chances. Tie her up. But why do all you nice boys want to rob a bank? Money isn't everything. We're not going after money. We're going after blotters. Now, scram. <laughs> She's right, Doc. Let's call the whole thing off. I'm in favor of it. Yeah, maybe I can get me old job back. Your old job back? What did you do? I was a tenor in a tough quartet. <laughs> hmm, some tenor. And I used to be an orchestra leader. That's a lie. <laughs> What were you, Dopey? I used to be a beautiful baby. Hmm. But look at you now. <laughs> Fine bunch of gangsters I got. Now listen, Snow White. You listen to me, you big bad man. Hmm. You're all going to throw your guns away and stay right here. You're never going to rob another bank again as long as you live. Nothing doing. This is our racket and we're going to stick to it. Oh, come on now. Give me your gun. I will not. Here's my gun, Snow White. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Here's my gun. Here's mine, too. Thanks. Be careful. There's water in it. <laughs> All right, Doc, you're the last one Now hand over your gun Oh, here But Santa Claus will never forgive me This is a Christmas present Here, take it Gee, I feel better already Come in Mr. Benny? Yes Say, what are you doing here? I'm Prince Charming And I'm looking for my sweetheart Snow White now, wait a minute. You're not Prince Charming. He is, too. I just sold him my title. Oh. Well, come, my little Snow White. We'll go to the booby hatch and live happily. At last. At last. Someday we'll go away. Someday so far away. So Charming married little Snow White, Andy went back to Van Nuys, and Doc Benny went back to his old job as lifeguard in a Turkish bath, Playville. If you want your family to vote you the finest cook in the country, here's all you have to do. Serve Jell-O chocolate pudding for dessert, the real old-fashioned chocolatey kind, rich and smooth and tempting. The kind of chocolate pudding that Mother used to make, but so much quicker and easier to prepare. Then try Jell-O butterscotch pudding. It's mellow and inviting, rich with true butterscotch flavor, with an appetizing taffy color that makes you hungry just to look at it. And then there's Jell-O vanilla pudding, an all-family favorite. It's smooth and delicate with a perfectly grand flavor. All three new Jell-O puddings are amazingly easy to make, for there's next to no cooking required. You'll find the simple directions on every package, and the best way to buy is three packages at a time. So ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O chocolate, butterscotch, and vanilla pudding, the real homemade kind. This is the last number of the 15th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Jack had to rush away to do another broadcast, folks. Say, Mary, you know we forgot to do one of the best songs in the picture. Which one is that? The wishing well number. You know where you heard the echo? Oh, yes, we'll do it now, Andy. So you get down in the well and be the echo. Okay. I'm wishing. 
I'm wishing for the one I love to find me. To find me. Bill, hand me that bucket. Oh. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Kenny Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Buck Benny again. At the Puyallup Fair this time. That's as appropriate since last week... uh, Jack went to the circus with the gang and tried to sneak in under the tent. Didn't work out so well for him. But luckily, uh, I get tickets to the fair, so... Did I work for a school district? Hey. <laughs> anyway, um... Puyallup Fair in Washington State. Let's see if I know the song. You can do it at a trot. You can do it at a gallop. Something to let your heart palpitate, so don't be late. Do the Puyallup. <laughs> anyway, uh... Hope you enjoy this episode of the Jack Benny Show. It's famous. This is a salute to Walt Disney and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Snow White had been around for a while out of theaters, and so it had definitely been breaking records and so forth. Um, So Jack decided to do a parody of it. Uh, I believe Walt Disney was in the audience that night, and... uh, it's famous for having the funniest, oh, the funniest, longest laugh uh, of the series, I believe, about 30 seconds, and Mary sets it up great, and then, I'm not sure if it's Mel Blanc that sets up the, that does the humorous sounds that uh, trigger the laugh, or, or who does that, but it's perfect, it's almost a setup for the whole first part of the show for that one laugh, so uh, it's a great episode. Uh, it's one of the only ones I can think of where the, the skit is basically the entire episode, or the majority of the episode anyway. Uh, enjoy it. Fantastic episode. Great acting all around. Great, good writing. Just fun show. It's the episode that follows directly after the one last week. So, we'll see you later. J-E-L-L-O! The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens a program with Hooray for Hollywood from Hollywood Hotel. Oftentimes, there is some one thing that seems to have extra pleasant associations for us. It may be a place, it may be a song, it may be a word. For instance, a letter we received just the other day says, The word jello will always mean something special to me because it's almost the one dessert I can remember having as a youngster. I remember the picture of the jello girl on the box. I remember jello's bright party colors. I feel as if I'd grown up with jello, and it's a friend I'll never forget. Well, we hope a lot of you feel that way about jello. It has been America's favorite dessert for over 40 years. And the only changes in Jell-O have been to make it even better. Jell-O has a deeper, richer, more satisfying fruit taste than ever before. And Jell-O sets more quickly now. It's quicker and easier to prepare. But remember, there is only one Jell-O. 
There's always been only one Jell-O, so don't accept any substitutes for the real thing. Look for the big red letters on the box that always spelled Jell-O. Hollywood played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this being the first day of daylight saving time, we bring you a man who saves time, money, and old pieces of string, Jack Benny. <laughs> Hello again, this is Jack Benny who also saves paper bags. They come in mighty handy, too. Well, Don, if we were in the East now, we'd have an extra hour today. Sixty whole minutes to do with as we please. Uh, what would you do with yours? Well, Jack, if I had an extra hour, I think I'd go on a diet. You know, uh, not eat anything. Not eat anything for a whole hour? <laughs> Why, Don, that would be a drastic move for you, wouldn't it? Yes, but I should do it anyway, Jack. I think I'm getting a little plump. Oh, a little plump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's getting plump. <laughs> Listen, Don, if I were a penny-weighing machine and saw you coming toward me, I'd pull up my scales and run. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> You're just F-A-T. Oh, I not only resent that, but deny it. Anyway, we were talking about daylight saving time, weren't we? You know, Jack, I forgot all about our show going on an hour earlier. When I got up, I had to run over here like a streak of lightning. Boy, I had to rush. I know, Phil, and those pajamas are very becoming. <laughs> I'm glad you like them. Imagine coming to the studio in pajamas. You didn't even bother to dress. I did, too. I never wear the tops. <laughs> oh. Well, I noticed that at least you took time to curl your hair. I did not. It's a mess. <laughs> well, anyway... <laughs> Well, anyway, just because we're on an hour earlier today is no excuse for being careless, you know. Say, Jack, why do they have daylight saving time in the east and not out here? Well, Mary, that's so the people there can get up an hour earlier in the morning, and then when evening comes, they have an extra hour of sunshine. Suppose it's raining. Well, then they have an extra hour of rain. Uh, like we have here? Quiet. <laughs> it never rains in California. Never. Well, gee, I wish someone had told my uncle that this morning. Which uncle? The one with the wooden leg that warped. <laughs> Look, Mary, you asked me a question. I answered it. Now leave me alone. Say, Jack. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Kenny? You know, I, I, I can't understand one thing about daylight saving time. What's that? Well, this morning I set my watch 60 minutes ahead. And when I came to the broadcast, I was an hour too early. Why was that? Well, look, Kenny, you didn't have to set your watch ahead. That's only in the east. Do you realize you're the only person in the whole state of California that did it? Was there a prize for that? <laughs> yes, bend over. <laughs> what a kid. He's hopeless. Well, at least I know rain when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Never mind that. Now, look, fellas, we have no more time to discuss rain or daylight saving because, as I announced last week, tonight we're going to do a very long play. In fact, it's a musical comedy. A musical comedy? Yes, Phil, if you'd show up for rehearsal, this wouldn't be such a shock to you. <laughs> oh, those rehearsals bore me more than the show. Oh, that's too bad. Now, listen, fellas, we got to do something to make Phil happy here. Now you're talking. Shut up or I'll fire you. <laughs> Anyhow, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the Benny Light Opera Troupe will present... We'll present what we consider a real masterpiece. <laughs> We're going to offer our version of Walt Disney's sensational film and supreme achievement, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> now, this will go on immediately. Hey, Jack, I didn't see that picture. What's a dwarf? A dwarf, Kenny, is a jockey with a long beard. <laughs> Now, in our version... Am I going to be a dwarf, Jack? You done? <laughs> what are you laughing at, eh? He couldn't be a dwarf in an elephant act. Well, you'll be in it anyway, Don. Now, in our musical comedy version, folks, as none of us look like dwarfs, we are going to call our play Snow White and the Seven Gangsters. Uh, Mary Livingston, who is scared to death of these gangsters, will be Snow White. Now, let's see. There's also a Prince Charming. Say, Jack, can I be Prince Charming? Over my dead body. <laughs> let's see, who else? Oh, the witch. Where's that witch I hired? Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, is she going to be my stepmother? Yes, and she's going to give you a poisoned apple. You stool pigeon. <laughs> Quiet, you old bat. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, our cast is complete. Except, oh, where's Andy? Here I am, Buck. Am I going to be one of the dwarfs? No, Andy, you're going to be a gangster, not a dwarf. Shucks, and I went out and had my legs shortened. <laughs> legs shortened? How'd you do that? I glued them to a cheap pair of pants and went out in the rain. Now, the next one that says it rains in California, I'm going to hit him right over the head with my umbrella. <laughs> Now, remember, fellas, we're all gangsters, and I'm going to be the roughest, toughest, meanest one of them all. Just a no-good rat. See? Wow. I'm as tough as any of those movie gangsters, ain't I, Mary? Yeah, you're a regular Edward G. Buttercup. <laughs> well, just the same I can act tough. Say, Jack, do we all have to be hard-boiled? Of course, Don, and you ought to get into the mood. Okay. Now, uh, get this, ladies and gentlemen. You better rush down to your nearest grocer and get a package of Jell-O. See? It comes in six delicious flavors, see? That's telling them, Don. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime, see? That's it. I guess they see, Don. Now, folks, our play will go on immediately after Kenny Baker's song. What are you going to sing, Kenny? One song from the picture Snow White. One false move, now let you have it. Okay, Kenny, let's have it. Okay. Right. Possessed me One love Thrilling me through One song 
my heart keeps singing of one love only for you. With a song I come to you like a troubadour with a simple serenade that and nothing more I have no lute to play no tinkling guitar just a song to tell you how sweet to me you are one song I have but one song one song only for you Tenderly beating, ever entreating, constantly true. One love that has possessed me, one love thrilling me through. One song my heart keeps of one love only for you. I have but one song, one song for you. My song of One song from Snow White sung by Kenny Baker. And thanks, Kenny. It was certainly apropos. You said it, son. Hmm. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our musical comedy, Snow White and the Seven Gangsters. We will present this little fairy tale in four acts and 39 scenes. So take off your shoes, folks. You gotta stay in tonight. Here we go. The opening scene is the isolated farmhouse on Long Island, which is the hideout of the notorious Benny Gang. As the curtain rises, Doc Benny is giving his boys a pep talk. Curtain. Music. Now listen, men. We got a big job on for tonight. The biggest thing we've tackled since we cracked the mint. We're gonna stick up the 12th National Bank. Do you get that? Yeah. Yeah. I'll call the roll, see if we're all here. Sleepy. Here, Doc. Sneezy. Could you, Doc? Gesundheit. Happy. I'm right here, Doc, feeling fine and ready to go. <laughs> he wears... <laughs> he wears feather underwear, folks. Grumpy. Right here, Chief. But I'm afraid we're going to get caught this time. Oh, you're too pessimistic. Bashful. Oh, shucks, Doc, you know I'm here. Now, come on over here with the rest of us. Oh, gee, Will. <laughs> fine gangster. Now, let's see, who else? Oh, yes, Dopey. That's me, folks. <laughs> and you're a fine crook, too, the way you waste your time. What do you mean? Well, I sent you out to pick pockets yesterday, and you wasted two hours on Fred Allen. <laughs> hmm. Imagine picking Allen's pocket. What did you find there? A hole. Oh. 
He buries his money, eh? And you, Bashful. What's the matter, Doc? I sent you out to take a guy for a ride, and you went in separate cars. Well, gee, I didn't know him very well. That's a great excuse. Now, listen, fellas. You've been laying down on the job lately. I want you all to be up on your toes tonight. Say, Doc. What is it, Sleepy? What time are we going to rob the bank tonight? About 12 o'clock. And don't be late like you always are. I'm afraid of that job, Chief. We're sure to get caught and be sent up the river for 20 years. Oh, we will, eh? How do you feel about it, Happy? Well, Grumpy's right. We'll all go to Sing Sing and never come out. Gee, it'll be awful. (laughs) Hmm. Certainly got a brave bunch of men here, scared of your own shadow. I'm not scared. I'm dopey. (laughs) You said it. Now, remember, men, we got a big job on tonight, and we got to get some money. There's a payment due on our machine gun. So let's all work together. Just as soon as our supply of dynamite gets here, we'll go. Come in. Package of dynamite for Doc Benny. <laughs> Sign here. Now, wait a minute. Is this dynamite good and strong? I think so. I had two arms when I started out. Goodbye. <laughs> all right, men. Now, listen carefully. We'll meet tonight at exactly 11 o'clock in the alley right in back of the bank. Is that clear? What about you, Dopey? Do you know where we're going to meet? If I forget, I'll ask a policeman. (laughs) All right, but leave your girl home this time. I remember, fellas, 11 o'clock in the alley behind the bank. And then do you know where we go from there? Where? Hi-ho, hi-ho, to rob the bank we'll go. I say we'll blow and grab and go hi-ho, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. Now don't be late, you know. We gotta work quick with a chiseling big hi-ho, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. I'm sleepy that I know. And I'm so shy I nearly die. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. Why don't you eat jello? Just try a dish, it's so delish. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho, hi-ho. To rob the bank we'll go. A safe will blow and grab the dope. Hi-ho, 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 hi-ho. Now don't be late, you know. We've got to work quick with a chisel and pick. Hi-ho, hi-ho. The scene changes. We now take you to the home of Miss Snow White, who lives on Park Avenue with her cruel stepmother, Mrs. Agatha Witch. Oh, she's a meanie. Take it away, Park Avenue. Hello? Who? No, she can't talk to you, and don't be calling up here anymore. Goodbye yourself. Who was that, stepmother? That was your boyfriend, Prince Charming. A princess. <laughs> now listen, Snow. <laughs> I don't want you to go out with him anymore. He's just after your money. So are you. Well, I saw you first. <laughs> now don't you dare to leave this room, you little brat. Isn't she awful, folks? Shut up. <laughs> oh, why is my stepmother so cruel to me? Is she jealous of me for chance, or is she jealous of me good looks? I have it. She's just a rat. Oh, where is my Prince Charming? If he would just come and take me away, I'd be so happy. He'll be here, folks. That must be Prince Charming now. Here, Prince. 
Hairpin. Come in. Oh, Prince Charming. Hello, Snow White. How's my little piccaninny? Oh, Prince, I'm so glad you're here. My stepmother's getting crueler every day. Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Is that so? What's the matter with that old Mickey Finn? Why, only this morning she tried to kill me. She gave me a poison apple for breakfast. Oh, what a lowlife that is. If I wasn't a prince, that gentleman and that coward, I'd smack her up and down. And another thing, she says you're not a real prince. She says you're bogus. Bogus? That's my brother. I'm Boris. But you are a real prince, aren't you? Why, certainly. I got a coat of arms with a belt in the back. Then I don't care what she says. I love you, my prince. And I love you, too, my little hunted child. Come into my arms. Oh, if you'd only take me away from here, I'd be so happy. Don't worry, my little sweetie cake. Someday I'll take you to my castle in the Catskills. <laughs> when? Someday. Oh, someday. Someday we'll go away. Someday so far away. And how thrilling that moment will be. When the prince of my dreams comes to me. I'll whisper I love you. And steal a kiss or two. Though I'm really a tool. Oh, no. wasn't it, Bo? Well, goodbye, darling. I have to go now. Where are you going, my prince? I'm going to take a ride in the park. Wait. I'll see if my horse is outside. Hi-ho, Silverstein! <laughs> so. So Prince Charming leaves. The door opens, and in walks the wicked stepmother, and says... No, I... Who was that in here singing? Lawrence Tebbett. Well, he's slipping. <laughs> I know it was that Prince Charming, and I told you never to see him again. But I love him, Stepmother. He's so handsome and romantic. I'll put a stop to this affair, you little fool. Here. Have an apple. Don't take it, Snow White. It's poison. Stay out of this, you kibitzer. <laughs> he's right, Stepmother. This apple is poison. It is not. Then why is that worm waving a red flag? <laughs> You see? <laughs> I'll make you eat it. Come here, Snow White. No, no, I'll run away from home. That's what I'll do. I'll run away from home. Stop! Stop! No, no, I'll never see you again. Goodbye, stepmother. Goodbye, worm. Goodbye. <laughs> so little Snow White runs away from home. And two days later, we find her lost in a dense forest somewhere in Long Island. <laughs> Ah, here I am in the woods. And look at the animals following me. Oh, see the pretty birds. Hello, bird. Mm -hmm. 
pity. That canary is somewhat of a critic. Gee, none of these animals are afraid of me. Look at that little pussy cat with a bushy tail. Come here, pussy. Oh, my mistake. Get away, pussy. That was a close one. And look at that little deer running after me. Isn't it cute? Hello, dear. Hello, honey. Fresh. Gee, I'm so tired and hungry. Oh, look, there's a farmhouse over yonder. Maybe I can get food and shelter there. Here I come, farmhouse. <laughs> All right, men. We're ready to rob the bank. Now, remember, this ain't no picnic, so everybody work fast and be on your guard. Say, Happy, where's the machine gun? <laughs> over there in the sewing basket. That's great. <laughs> Have you got your bag filled, Grumpy? Yep, I got a flashlight, a chisel, some dynamite, a blowtorch, and my nightshirt. Oh, we'll be home before morning. Hey, Dopey, stop chewing that dynamite. You'll blow your brains out. If I had any brains, I wouldn't be chewing it. <laughs> well, we're all set now. Wait a minute, where's Sleepy? Hey, Sleepy, wake up. Hmm. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Bashful, what are you blushing about? Well, look at Sleepy smiling. He must be dreaming about a girl. Well, you stay out of his dream. <laughs> anyway, we can do without him. Now, let's go, men. And here's my final instruction. While we're robbing that bank, there's one thing that's very important. What's that, Chief? For heaven's sake, don't whistle while you work. Don't whistle while you work. Or the cops will come, we'll have to run, be as quiet as a turk. You mean quiet as a mouse. But I couldn't make it rhyme. Now come on, boys, and make no noise, we haven't got much time. Now remember, each of you, we know what we must do. Now you must be still. I know I will. La, 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 la. Don't whistle while you work, or the cops you're bound to work. They'll get their man, put us in the can, don't whistle while you now, don't forget. <laughs> All right, men. We're on our way. Let's go. Wait a minute. I knew it. It's the cops. The cops? Gee, I bet they give us life this time. <laughs> Quiet. I'll handle this. Shh. Come in. Hello, everybody. My name is Snow White. Why, it's a girl. A girl? <laughs> yes, a girl. What do you want, Snow White? Gee, I thought this was a farmhouse. Aren't you all farmers? No, we're not farmers. We're bandits. And right now, we're going out to rob a bank. Rob a bank? Oh, you mustn't do that. Why not? It's naughty. Oh, it is. Did you hear that, fellas? It's naughty. Come on, man. Tie her up and throw her in the cellar. Throw me in, too. <laughs> Grab her, men. Now, wait a minute, Chief. She can't harm us. Well, we're not taking any chances. Tie her up. But why do all you nice boys want to rob a bank? Don't you want to get into heaven? Yes, but we want to get into the bank first. <laughs> now, scram. She's right, Doc. Let's call the whole thing off. I'm in favor of it. Yeah. Maybe I can get my old job back again. Your old job back? What did you do? I was a good humor man in a tough neighborhood. <laughs> oh. And I used to be an orchestra leader. That's a lie! <laughs> What were you, Dopey? I used to be a phrenologist. A phrenologist? What's that? I don't know. That's why I quit. <laughs> hmm. 
fine bunch of gangsters I've got. Now listen, Snow White. You listen to me, you big bad man. Hmm. You're all going to throw away your guns and stay right here. You're never going to rob another bank as long as you live. I'm willing. Me too. How about you, Doc? Nothing doing. This is my racket and I'm going to stick to it. Now, come on, Docky-Walky. Don't be a toughy-wassy. Oh. Come on, Doc. Don't be a batty waddy <laughs> Oh, all right. I'm a sappy-wappy. But I'll do it. Hooray! Hooray! Come in. Snow White, I'm so glad I found you. I've been looking all over for you. Prince Charming, I knew you'd come. Come, my little Snow White. We'll go back yonder to my castle and live happily ever afterwards. At last, at last. Someday we'll go away. Someday so Prince Charming married little Snow White, and Doc Benny went back to his old job peddling fish in Waukegan. Play Phil. Bright blue skies, gay new fashions, new things to eat. These are the signs of spring. And here's the perfect dessert to fit the mood, called Springtime Delight. The freshest, gayest dish you've tasted in ages. And real easy to make with fruit-rich strawberry jello and just one cup of fresh strawberries. Dissolve a package of strawberry jello in hot water and chill until slightly thickened. Sweeten one cup of sliced fresh strawberries with a quarter cup of sugar, then add the berries to the thickened jello. Turn into a mold and chill until firm. It couldn't be easier to make, and it's well an inexpensive way to take advantage of the fresh strawberries just coming into the market. And wait till you taste it. The delicious extra rich fruit flavor of strawberry jello combined with the juicy sweetness of fresh berries. It's a grand springtime dessert, so try it soon. Just be sure to make it with genuine Jell-O. Ask your grocer for Jell-O. This is the last number of the 30th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. And um, I hope you all liked our musical comedy version of Walt Disney's famous picture, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, Jack. Yes, Mary. You know, we forgot to do one of the best songs in the picture. Which one is that? The Wishing Well number, you know, where you hear the echo. Oh, yes. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do it now. Andy, you get down in the well and do the echo. Okay. Hit it, boys. I'm wishing. I'm wishing. For the one I love to find me. To find me. Mary, hand me that bucket. Good night, folks. Here's an important announcement. Starting this week, Robert L. Ripley's Believe It or Not program will be heard Tuesday night instead of Saturday over most of these same stations. Be sure to see your local paper for the new time. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>